Blurred up, blurred up. Welcome to the show where we talk about nerd culture from a BPOV, a black POV. You can find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Please subscribe and give us a review. It would really help us out and let us know that you care. Going into next year, we really want to engage more with our listeners. We want to answer some fan questions. They can be for us as a team or anyone specifically. So please email any questions to bu at blurred.com or tweet us at B-L-E-R-D-U. We're also on Instagram at B-L-E-R-D period U-P. And of course, Facebook at Blurred Up, B-L-E-R-D-U-P. We're also on Blurred.com. Great site. There are sponsors. They're really helping us out. They have a really cool new Instagram feature where they're putting not quite video with our words, but... Yeah, we're on YouTube now too, which is kind of cool. Yeah, It's not video, but it's, it's a video you can play. Yes. I don't know how to, that didn't. It's sound like right. putting putting a picture up while we're while you listen to our silky voices. Yes, it's like the old school Windows visualization only with blurred pic. I need to stop. This isn't really working, is it? <laughs> and that other voice. Well, first I'm Brendan, and that other voice Hi. is Mel. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> and you can tell that we're a bit tired. Yeah, we're both educators, and it's the end of the semester, so you gonna get whatever words come out this mouth today. <laughs> I. Uh, I worked out last night, mm-hmm. and then I woke up at six and woke up and worked out again. Why? I usually work out every morning, like every morning at six a.m. Uh huh. So last night I did bicep and back, mm-hmm. and then I woke up and I did legs. Okay, I mean I kind of get it, but I, okay. I missed the morning, so I did it at night, and I just uh, did it again. And then you just did it again this morning. Are you tired now? No, I'm actually I'm pretty good. Wow, rock right on. But once I get home to edit, we'll see what happens. Right, right, yeah. I ran a marathon, well, a half marathon this weekend. Yeah, in Taiwan. Yeah, I went to Taipei and ran the Taipei Marathon really slowly because the last leg of the race coincided with it getting hot, like hot with six H's, 75% humidity, all of a sudden out of nowhere at exactly 9 a.m. over the last leg of the race. So usually... Some a distance that takes me usually about 30 minutes to run took me a good 45. So mm. not a record setter, but my first international race, the first race I've had to apply for. So, hey, I was pretty proud of myself. I did it. Clapping softly. Yeah, I'm the best main. I did it. That's dope. How was anyway, the food? Uh, really good. Oh, my goodness. You know, I was this close to being, like, in Harlem Nights calling up and telling, like, my job that I wasn't coming back. <laughs> <laughs> It was really, really cool. Taipei is a cool city, man. Taiwan is cool. It's just such a different vibe, and yeah. I really liked the people, and just it was really culturally interesting. I don't think I could live there, but I, just because I don't speak Mandarin, and it's tropical, which comes with a lot of interesting features that I don't know that I could do, namely uh, bugs. But um, yeah, yeah, it was cool. It was really cool. I'm definitely going to visit again. Did you by Maybe chance? Maybe not for a, for a marathon, though. Sure. <laughs> Too hot. <laughs> Did you by chance go to that uh, that that bathhouse that inspired Spirited Away? I did not. I wanted to, but I was but I was in a different part of town, like on the because basically I went for the marathon, so mm-hmm. I got there kind of late on a Saturday and hung out with a friend, and then Sunday was the marathon, so that was my whole day, and then I had Monday to explore, and I wound up in a really different part of town, and I found I'll tell you what I did find. Uh, they are there is a underground book street in central Taipei. It's like legit two city blocks of books 
underground, like a whole street of books. And it's books in, they have books in Mandarin and English and Japanese. They have magazines, they have stationery, they have games, they have a Starbucks because I guess you'd have those everywhere now. Um, But it's just a really cool thing. So I probably spent about four hours just wandering through these streets and streets of books underground. It was really cool. That sounds awesome. It was amazing. Yeah, it was great. And I actually found a book about African entrepreneurs in the bestseller section in Taiwan in English. That's dope. Yeah, so I bought that because I... I haven't seen that anywhere else. <laughs> yeah, it was really cool. Mm-hmm. That is really cool. Anyway, so enough with the travel log. Moving on. <laughs> no, it's, no, it's cool. I'm sure our listeners would care to hear that. I actually went to Taiwan, mm-hmm. um, I think 2016. Right. Uh, Kaohsiung, southern southern okay. Taiwan. And yeah. we, it wasn't during tourist season. It was in, I think, January, February. Oh, cool. So we had this whole, like, mountain forest national park to ourselves, me and my then- girlfriend mm-hmm. and we were just walking under these trees and there were just monkeys just staring at us the whole time oh that's creepy yeah oh i, I hate monkeys oh i hate monkeys so i much. like monkeys it's just oh. when you're alone in a, in a forest oh i hate monkeys i hate monkeys so much i went to indonesia to bali and you know how they have like the monkey forest or whatever uh-huh. it is right in the center of town mm-hmm. yeah basically every time i saw a monkey forest street i turned the other way i hate monkeys huh Oh, they're just uh, they're creepy. Um, Frieza. Did you see? Yuck! Did you see the? Um, did you see the the bathhouse you're talking about? Did you see it? Unfortunately, I didn't have the time for that because uh, yeah. it's not in Taipei. Mm-hmm. It's like it's not even Kaohsiung. It's yeah, like, it's like hard to find. It's kind of way yeah. out in the middle of no. Well, there's no such thing as the middle of nowhere on an island necessarily, True. but it's far from all of the other stuff. Yeah. Okay. All right. This is not blurred up travel. This is blurred it, up. So let's be. move on. It could be. We could, we could go there at a different time. Right. Fan questions. Anyway. Okay. Today, we're going to talk about the season finale, possibly series finale, of Watchmen, what we would like to see in a second season, and possibly our favorite blurty Christmas moments. Right. But first, we have to talk about why we're not going to review Star Wars for a while. (sighs) Yeah. So for those who are new to this show... We don't really have high hopes for Rise of Skywalker, and early reviews are mixed at best. Mm-hmm. I've already seen a "this conclusion won't please everyone" oh tagline, or "this is a disappointing ending for the saga." But I haven't read anything. I really don't want my opinion to be influenced by anything. So, until we see this film, I'm probably going to get off social media for until then. Okay. So, I mean, that's what, well, first explain to the listeners when we might actually see this film, worst case scenario. Okay. Rise of Skywalker officially releases in South Korea. Mm-hmm. Which is where we live. Yes, on January 8th. So that's almost three weeks mm-hmm. after it comes out. Right. Everywhere else. Right. Now there's Almost reasons. everywhere else. Yeah. So there are reasons, and mm-hmm. I, I do want to go into those really okay. quick. And if you have anything to add to, of course, sure, no. Sure. In 1967 in Korea, there was a quota set by the Korean government that promotes their domestic films and limits how many Western films get shown throughout the year and at any given time. This was done to help assure that Korea's own movie industry could grow. So, now, now, Of course, I totally get it. I think in that year, you had uh, Cool Hand Luke, The Graduate, The Dirty Dozen, Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, In the Heat of the Night, and You Only Live Once, that 007 movie. So, of course, Korea's films at that time were going to get blown out were any of those popular in Korea at the I time? I don't know. Yeah. But, but those were films that were out. Yeah, okay, interesting. I mean, I don't know what international distribution was like back in the day, so yeah. 
I don't, yeah, sorry. I don't know what international distribution was like back in the day. So, yeah. That's interesting to contemplate, though. Apparently, um, there weren't really any megaplexes in Korea at the time anyway. Mm -hmm. They were still developing. Mm -hmm. But Korea had... See, this is where we need Doc Hurt on the podcast because he's an expert on this kind of stuff. If you're out there and listening, Doc Hurt, hit us with a comment with your expertise. Swoop in. Yes, exactly. However, um, but from my understanding, there was like already a special policy in place where the Korean government really invested a lot into local film uh, to kind of... I don't know, not to just, I don't know how to phrase it exactly, not to distract people, but there's a lot of really good quality older Korean films that were essentially bankrolled by government interests Mm. to kind of keep the populace, I don't know, I don't, I, you know, I don't know enough about this to really talk about it with any sort of expertise, but there was a lot of government support for films. Uh, There's a center here in Seoul that actually shows a lot of those older films with subtitles. Uh, in English, but the explanation and got released on YouTube a lot. Of them yeah, too. oh yeah, totally. The Korean Film Archive on YouTube has all has loads of them. The problem is they do all of the co- contextual explanation that goes and like the Q and As that go with those films all mm-hmm. in Korean, and my Korean is not good enough to follow all of that historical talk necessarily Mining. all the time. So yeah, um, but there's reasons for that. As uh, besides just the quota system, there's a there's a history of Korea really promoting its own art as well. Okay. Mm-hmm. Cool. Okay. But yeah, over over time, the U.S. has chipped at their regulations in order to promote their own movies because mm-hmm. of dips in domestic box office. And of course, many movies take in more money from overseas box office than domestic. And South Korea is a large market for it. Do you know where it's ranked in the world for box office revenue? Uh, no, I don't. Where? Fourth. I actually, that, yeah, that's not surprising. Who are the other, who's the top four, top three, rather? Well, can you guess number one? Probably the U.S., Number two. China? Yes. Okay. Not sure about the other ones. Um, I didn't really go too too far into that. I'm not surprised, I guess. Uh, There's also that whole policy here where the government subsidizes movie tickets. So if you you guys don't know, movie tickets in Korea are all the same price, and they're all really low-priced. I mean, I've never spent more than 10 bucks on a movie here. Um, and that's for like the really good ones. <laughs> like, I think really unless it's IMAX. Yeah, exactly. It's it's always pretty cheap. They're all the yeah. same price. It's it's very it's relatively inexpensive to go to the movies here. Totally. To the point where when I was back home last summer and I went to a movie with friends, I, wa- I walked up to the window and asked for tickets for this movie. And the lady behind the counter was like, "That'll be twenty one dollars." And I was Ooh, like, "I just what? want." I said, "I just want one." And she was like, "That's for one." It was for a three D movie. Oh wow. Which is like super cheap here so i'm just so used to it yeah but yeah i mean the, there's there's a lot of other outside influences on how popular cinema is here is my point yeah i think it's very possible that mm-hmm. just per capita korea is number one as mm-hmm. far as uh moviegoers and let me get to star wars though before sorry we... yeah it's okay it's okay so there was a recent lawsuit apparently frozen 2 took up 88 percent of movie theaters on opening day and it's still rocking in theaters, on track to surpass the box office of the first film. Um, I personally don't care about Hillary Clinton with ice powers, so that's why I haven't seen it. <laughs> but anyway, to avoid getting into more monopolistic turmoil, you can't have both films from the same studio dominating the box office here. So right. Frozen, Star Wars, one had to go. So because of that, we're getting Taylor Swift and Idris Elba and CGI Catfur before the conclusion of the Skywalker saga. Mm -hmm. Very cool. Which is interesting. Although to me, it almost seems like this is one of the unforeseen issues with Disney monopolizing all of the major, honestly, all the major nerd properties. So the fact that Disney owns Marvel, Star Wars, as well as 
the Disney empire uh, is actually a huge problem in terms of international distribution because of these kinds of laws. If Star Wars was still owned by a different studio, it would be out here already, I think. Possibly. Possibly. Although there's the other thing is that really Star Wars doesn't have that big of a fan base here. And the last two Star Wars films that were released here, basically, or Star Wars themed films that were released here, uh, which is Solo and then, of course, uh, uh, Last Jedi. Jedi, Yeah. Mm -hmm. Solo and Last Jedi, they both kind of flopped. Like Solo was in the theaters here for five minutes. Seriously. I like I saw it like available Mm -hmm. and I was like, oh, I'll go see it tomorrow. And the next day it was gone. Gone. Yeah, there's really a teeny Star Wars fan base here. Star Wars isn't that huge. Uh, Def- definitely not, not like on Marvel. Marvel. Yeah, of course like not. Marvel is massive, but Star Wars, eh, meh. Disney, massive. Star Wars, eh, true. meh. True, true, true. So it's not really a priority. Yeah. I mean, How- literally today in my classroom mm-hmm. for their Christmas party, I had three mm-hmm. girls dressed as Elsa. Yeah. No one cares about Star Wars at my school. Yeah, Frozen is a huge hit here, which is odd in a way, but yeah. That said... What that means for us is that we don't get to see Star Wars unless we go out of the country to see it until the 8th of January. Or my connect on base can get me in and let me see it. There's a possibility as well. I got homies out there, so we'll see if I can. If we can see it on base, mm-hmm. then we'll have this show up earlier. Mm-hmm. I'm considering just taking a short trip to Japan just for myself, mm-hmm. and along the way I'll just watch it. Mm-hmm, so. Mm-hmm. so we'll see. Yeah, there are are options. But worst case scenario, we don't get to see it until it actually is released in theaters in Korea. And that is the 8th of January. So for those of us, those of us, those of you who were hoping to hear us share our thoughts, unfortunately, we don't have any yet. Yeah, it'll probably come out. If we have to wait till the 8th, the show will probably come out January 9th, Mm -hmm. America time, January 10th, our time. Right. Okay. All right. So, sorry to disappoint you guys, but yeah, that's where we are. But we have other things to talk about. But this also means don't be sharing spoilers on the Blurred Up page, okay? Like, we know you've seen it already if you're in America. We know you love it, but do not spoil it because we still want to see it. I'm moving my finger a lot in the studio. You can't see it, but I mean business. No spoilers. Honestly, after I put this show out, I'm probably just going to go dark and just mm. not log on anymore. I should do that, but I have no self-control in that regard. So... No memes. No. Okay. Put them up, but just not on our page. Okay. Okay. Let's go on to Watchmen. Um, I want to start with our overall impressions of this before we go too deep into the spoilers. Again, understand, people, that we're going to spoil the heck out of this thing, so turn off now if you haven't seen it. Three, two, one. Do you want to go first? Just the general impressions? Yeah. Oh, that was such good storytelling. It was such good storytelling. It really did feel like a sequel to the comic. I was very happy with the way it went. It was just good storytelling. That's rare. Personally, Uh given the strength of what was set up, and definitely after This Extraordinary Being, episode six, Mm -hmm. I was a little slightly disappointed with the finale. Uh, Mm -hmm. It wasn't bad by any means. Mm -hmm. A lot of ends were tied up. Mm However, it didn't, like, Simone Biles wow me on the landing. Fair. Like, if This Extraordinary Being was an A+, plus, mm-hmm. this finale was, like, a solid B mm-hmm. for me. Interesting. Maybe B+. Plus. Like, it's... It, yeah. Yeah. I can see why you would say that. It really did... It, it went from 
having all of these really heavy, immersive themes and kind of big bombastic statements to at the end just becoming a, a really a very ordinary story in its resolution. Uh, it kind of turned into sort of a love story, sort of denouement. But if you think about it, that's kind of what the original comic did too towards the end there. So... Um, yeah, I thought it was true to the spirit of the property. I could see why you why it wasn't a wow, but I thought it was just a great way to resolve the story. Uh, but that said. I guess for me, this episode had more easy to see coming moments mm-hmm. and maybe slightly forced or unearned ones. Mm. Like a worse balance than the other episodes to me. It Fair. didn't make it bad at all. It's just Fair. Because they knocked it out of the park so many times. Mm-hmm. This felt just a little bit under that. Right. Yeah. There wasn't anything really unexpected in this. Although I will say, I think it's because you called it. Like, you really called it. But that said, uh, I mean, yeah, there wasn't anything unexpected. It was just wrapping up a story in a really standard way. Yeah. All right. Let's get to the to the minutia. <laughs> My first issue starts at the very beginning of this episode. Mm-hmm. How security is so lax around invites Lair, his office. Like, how did this cleaning lady know about his vials of legacy in his room? Yeah, that was... Yeah, okay. How yeah. did How did she know the password? Mm-hmm. It's an interesting idea. Yeah. But how it was executed to me was kind of... Mm, yeah, we don't really get much of a sense of character. They did chop the ball a bit as far as developing her as a person. Um, I think because they sort of expected us to connect her immediately with the daughter, but we don't get enough time with the daughter who's really the mother. Um to, to to really make those connections, I think, as far as character beats go. Right. Uh, yeah, okay, I get that. I think, to be fair, at that point, I just sort of hand-waved it. I just wanted to get to the way that the story ended. So it's like, okay, fine. At this point, we know that Lady True's got to be Adrian Veidt's daughter, daughter in some sort of way. So these this is not the resolution I am looking for, but that's okay. See, I didn't even think about it until she she did that. Mm. I loved I loved the painting like looking down at her like, dude. Yeah, exactly. He had, he had his hand up and just yeah, looking down yeah. at her like, oh. Yeah, it reminded me of, you know, in <laughs> Ghostbusters, the painting, Ghostbusters 2, the painting, just kind of like disapproving, looking disapprovingly down on everybody. Oh, Vigo? Yeah, Vigo. <laughs> Vigo the, what's it, Vigo Destroyer? Vigo the Carpathian. Vigo the Carpathian, that's right. Wait, is that true? Vigo, yeah, he's a Carpathian, but I think they call him something. This has nothing to do with Watchmen. Moving on. Yeah, okay. Gonna, gonna yeah, no kidding. Out. We are just And then too, on. I just feel like and then Shrew looks nothing like him, too. I, I, she looks like a legit just Vietnamese person, not mixed. So, I, again, it's a cool concept. It's similar mm-hmm. to, like, Angela Manhattan having a thing, but it feels a little... Yeah, um, but not every mixed person looks, quote-unquote, mixed. So I didn't true. have a problem with that. I mean, okay. I mean, I'm just saying just that along with how the mom got to the stuff. Mm-hmm. It just felt, again... Other plot points of the show felt a little more organic mm-hmm. and, and it gets earned. Understood, yeah. I think the thing with Veidt's whole storyline, though, is that he really was just kind of there to be a deus ex machina. And, of course, that's all of his all of his story beats were so extraneous to the actual story that we're being told and to the themes that we're being uh, fed as far as this, this series goes. But I could see why they were just kind of like, so here's this and here's this and here's this, the end. And then get on with the rest of it because we need Vite in the end to do his thing. There's another thing that got cut out, but we'll talk about that a little later. Okay. Um, and then Vite's apparently a virgin. It what? He said, I've never given myself to a woman. I don't participate in that kind of hedonism. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. But like my man, 
you got a whole vault of man milk back there. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, like why are you saving it? Yeah. Yeah, he's, mm-hmm. he's, he's never given himself to women, but those were, like, a lot of vials, bro. Like, how did those get there? Yeah, there were hundreds of them. Yeah, like, what an incel. You know, was all that purely in the name of science? Well, to be fair, to be fair, though, if anybody, like, I have to be honest, if you look at the old school, the original graphic novel, Vite and Rorschach are like the original OG incels. Okay. So, I mean, that, that, that tracks, that tracks. You know, the dude stayed in an Antarctic lair for nearly 40 years alone. I wonder what that safe looks like now. That's disgusting. Why did you say that? I'm <laughs> sorry. Uh, okay, we have spent how much time talking about Adrian Veidt's sperm? Can we please move on to your next point of minutia? Please. Okay. We missed the post credit scene of him receiving that horseshoe. We didn't talk about that. Oh, yeah. So I usually don't like to watch post the credits because I don't really want to watch the trailers mm-hmm. for the next episode. I like to be surprised. Mm-hmm. You know you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so let's get to him on, on Europa. And, mm-hmm. of course, the, all the pieces of... Europa fall into place. Mm-hmm. And I had a hunch about this. He was in control of everything the entire time. He made all this crap up just to entertain himself. Yeah. Even that crazy court sequence where he's crying and being vilified and tomatoes in his face from yeah. that from the post credit scene yeah. was all a big show. Yeah, which, dude is sick. He really <laughs> like, is insane. Really a mess. So the fact that Lori finally arrested him to have him locked up, like, I agree. Like, yeah, I don't totally. want this crazy guy with that kind of power. Did you catch... I didn't realize, but nobody knows who she is, and nobody ever figured it out. So, like, Looking Glass was totally perplexed as to how they even knew each other. He, nobody, nobody figured out that Lori Jaspezic is Lori Jaspezic. They all just knew her as the FBI agent. Nobody knew she was the she was Silk Spectre. True, except for Vite and uh, what and, and well, we'll get to Mister Blue in a minute. But you know, yeah, uh, yeah. So nobody knew that she was actually the Silk Spectre, except for the people who knew her from before and I didn't catch that until this last episode because like it never came up nobody put the pieces together so they still just think she's some cranky anti-superhero FBI agent yeah. they don't know her history at all which I thought was really cleverly done actually yeah that's true I like uh, Veidt's talk to the the game warden he was like why'd you give me a mask sir because masks make men cruel and it's, it's the irony of mm-hmm. you weren't you weren't cruel for killing three million people. Mm-hmm. But I guess, you know, he's still wearing a mask of being this eccentric but beloved billionaire. Mm-hmm. But now that he's been arrested, that mask will come off. Mm-hmm. How do you prosecute Ozymandias, who saved the world to- twice? Well, really once, technically. Mm-hmm. But does he heal after this? And even so, I mean, he's legally dead, so that's a process in and of itself. So True. at the very beginning of the series, they go into the fact that he's been declared legally dead, and now he's back and apparently a criminal. That's a hard sell. So if we do get another season, that's they're going to have to do a lot with that. True. Or not. Who knows? Yeah. They that's... could just throw him in jail like Night Owl and we never see him. Let's talk about the statue. Yeah. Okay. So the time... The, the time paradoxes or the timeline, I guess, was finally sorted out in this episode. And it was quite confusing and actually a little disturbing. Like, so they basically froze Ozymandias and Carbonite to get him back to Earth. What on Earth? Well, that's not even, that's, he was in True's Garden since episode four. Yeah, exactly. He's just been there the whole time. And I guess when we were first introduced to Lady True, and she buys that farm, something falls from the sky. Mm-hmm. That's who she was picking up. Precisely. Yep. Crazy. But the fact that he's just been chilling in her garden as a statue until she needed him, 
speaking, I mean, like father, like daughter, sick. She wild, man. In 2008, when she was in Antarctica, she said, the satellite will arrive five years, 72 days, nine hours and 17 minutes from now. So about 2013, six years before the finale of this show, Mm -hmm. she saw Veidt's Save Me Daughter message. Right. And then even episode four, she said as she was looking at the statue with Angela, so much of my success grew from the seed of his inspiration. Mm-hmm. Just, mm, I, just, I yeah. love it. I love it. You know, I've been listening to a lot of interviews with the stars of the show, mm-hmm. and apparently they didn't know the significance of all of these little pieces that were put together. None of them were told the big twist that Cal is actually Dr. Manhattan until they were filming that episode. Wow. Like they were all pulled into like offices separately. They're all like, am I being fired already? What's going on? And then they like were told all of the different twists, like you're actually Adrian White's daughter and you're Dr. Manhattan and you've been in love with Dr. Manhattan all this time and they had no idea. So I read a really good uh, interview with Regina King that just came out in the Los Angeles Times this morning. I don't know if you've seen it yet. Yeah. Uh, she says a lot of really interesting things in there, but she said that she was tweeted at by a fan uh, who said, basically, it was in front of us the whole time. I can't believe you kept the secret so well. And she was like, what it was? And she looks and she's like, oh, yeah, there I am standing in a blue glow in my sister night clothes. Of course, it was in front of me the whole time. I didn't know either. So she had no idea. Wow. Yeah, none of them did. None of them knew what was going on. And they basically found out the story as they were acting. As it was going. That's good. Yeah. That's wild. I just think, so you said originally, or for I think on episode seven, mm-hmm. that True's mother clone said that she would, that she knew who she was. Right. I thought she implied it. She didn't say it outright, but yeah. I think she just talked about her memories or, mm-hmm. or what she was dreaming about. But finally, we learned that she knew mm-hmm. either she's known the whole time mm-hmm. or, or just known for Sometime. Yeah, I still really thought she implied that she knew, but okay. okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think we really should have caught what Looking Glass was up to. He killed a man in the house, and of course, mm-hmm. Petey, who is KY man. Wait, what? Petey's KY man. I totally didn't pick that up. I was still wondering. I, w- I thought that was the last loose end. Really? Yeah, let me pull that up for you. He, What? Let's see here. I'm so confused. <laughs> so you were reading a bit of the the Wikipedia for this. Mm, mm-hmm. Pedipedia, yeah. Yeah, and Pedipedia, there's a couple, or there's there's the, one of the last articles okay. talked about how PD was fired or let go from the FBI because he was uh, a superhero enthusiast and doing all this other stuff. Oh. And so it didn't it didn't all out say that he was oh, KY man, gosh. Okay. but it implied that. That I got you. I didn't get to the end of Petapedia. That's why. Okay. okay. So, yeah. So. So, Petey was KY man. Yep. <laughs> okay. So, Petey saw that there was one person in Looking Glass's bunker that had his mask off. Right. And we should have caught it right there. That was the clue. I yeah. should have caught it. I didn't even mm-hmm. think about it. Right. Yeah. Because he's such a kind of side character. I didn't even really give him any, right. any time. Any I was happy to see him again, though. Yeah, it's cool. I like that character. Mm-hmm. He's cool. I think some of the biggest can we, can we curse on this show? Is your grandma still listening? No. But okay. just some of that really scrambled my eggs was that Judd Did you just say really scrambled my eggs, sir? Just swear. <laughs> oh, 
like you know what I like I like more colorful uh, ways right. to talk. Okay, okay. You sound like Petey. I scrambled my eggs. You know, we scrambled my eggs, sir. All right. Anyway. Judd and his mm-hmm. wife knew Manhattan was Kyle the whole time. Yeah, That's that was wild. 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 Cyclops yeah. knew the entire time. Once he teleported that man to Arizona, like mm-hmm. wow, mm-hmm. wow. I got to go to my man, Senator Keene, though, who had my second favorite quote of the show. Mm-hmm. I'm about to become the most powerful man in the world. Waving my dick in people's faces is just overkill. I was very glad he didn't, quite frankly. But even so, yeah, wow, that was a line and a half. Hate and... to agree with the white supremacist, but thank you. <laughs> right. I think, yeah. He did. He, his performance was really good here. Everything I've seen him in, he's been such a different person. He's a very good actor. I hope he gets more screen time and stuff. Him yeah, he's good. and Blue Manta both need a lot more roles. Yeah, I totally agree. Also, nice bodies on both of them. Not gonna lie, but I, I but wrap it up, please. Yeah, please. <laughs> I love how the. The conservative is is so concerned about nudity and being polite, whereas mm-hmm. Manhattan is just like walking through like, oh, do you want me to put some clothes on? Yeah, like, like bro, yeah, come on, right? You were a human before all this. You you know how this works. Yeah. <laughs> can can your memories see yourself putting clothes on? <laughs> Fair enough. I guess I got a little thing about True. Um, so she played the Seven Cavalry, so they wouldn't see her coming. That's that's cool. Mm-hmm. But I feel like there's kind of a hole there. Like Manhattan definitely saw and talked to True in his cage. He knew that he was going to die. Mm-hmm. He should have known that she was a part of this. Mm-hmm. But he was also in the I cage, think... so it kind of made him hard to be present. Yeah, it was affecting him. I thought he knew. No, remember what he, to- he told Angela? Like, the 7th Cavalry are outside of our house. Mm-hmm. They have this cannon, and mm-hmm. they're going to teleport me mm-hmm. to whatever, and, the- and they're going to kill me. That's what he said. Right. He didn't mention true at all. Right, true. But why, well, haha, true. Huh? But, um, well, yeah, but I, why, well, who knows? I don't know. It's, I'll okay, it fair them. enough, yeah. I'll mm-hmm. give it to them. Mm-hmm. And when Manhattan said, or when Cal said, don't touch the light, Angela, what does that mean? I wondered about that, too. I was, I'm still not sure what that meant. And that's kind of my thing is, like, he knows things beyond his death, so how did he not know about True? Like he was, he told Angela, "You need to see me walk on the water, so you know what to do." Well, and then of course, don't touch the light. I mean, there's so many things that mm-hmm. he knows. Going back to my theory, I don't think it's possible to kill Doctor Manhattan. His whole genesis is being disassembled molecularly and then reassembling himself with the power of his mind and other things, right? Or Nothing whatever. Nothing ever ends. He says exactly. So I don't think he's actually dead. I think he's going to be well if we get another season or more comic books or whatever they do. I think he, I don't think you can kill him. I think he's just extremely disassociated for a while where it's hard to know. I think it's probably hard to know things when you're putting yourself back together molecule by molecule. Maybe. So I don't know. I think that maybe he knows things from, he knows things from the future because of that, because he's not gone. But I'm not sure. I think it would be consistent with the character. I am curious about where all that energy went because- When he got absorbed, it mm-hmm. was a big blast. Yeah, huge. But, but once the Gatlin shrimp came down, it mm-hmm. just kind of blacked out the orb. Like there mm-hmm. was no explosion from that or any mm-hmm. dissipation. So, right. But it was like his his creation essentially. Same thing. Mm-hmm. Just 
maybe a difference in degree, but I don't think he's gone. Okay. Rewind down here. I want to talk about my favorite quote, mm-hmm. and I'm sure you can guess what that is. Go for it. You can't heal under a mask, Angela. Wounds need air. So this is why, yeah, Ooh. yeah, this is why I didn't have a problem with all the wrap it up be kind of neat sewing up of plot lines is because there were some beautiful relational moments and some beautiful quotes and just some beautiful acting yeah. in between the characters. That last scene with Angela and her grandfather was just beautiful. And it wrapped up that whole theme of and generational. Yeah, it wrapped up all that generational trauma. It wrapped up the the individual characters' arcs. It was just really well done on so many levels. Mm. So even though I was like, I mean, again, it's kind of, they hand wave a lot. I gave it to him. I give it to him. Because yeah. at the end of the day, they wrapped up the story by just wrapping up the story. They didn't try and over-clever themselves. Like they, I was worried they would because lost. They didn't try and overclever themselves. They just said, "Okay, here we're at the end of the story. The bad guy needs to die. The good guys need to find some resolution and love each other, uh, and we need to maybe have a future. We need to show some hope for them." And they did that. Let's carry that quote into 2020. Yo, let's yeah. be honest with ourselves and, uh, yeah. and each other. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I think it's kind of meta for the thing. Like, can America heal? if it doesn't acknowledge and confront its ugly history with slavery. Very much reparations. so. And even if you throw money at a problem, mm-hmm. are we still hiding behind an overall systemic problem? Right. Are we still masking dangers within our own country? Mm-hmm. You can get all of the revenge and all of the justice that you want, but if it's under a hood, is it really effective? Right. Yeah, totally. Just, and this is kind of, we're kind of going to, kind of cross over into what we would want to see from the second season so maybe I'll just save it for that later okay um so I was right that Angela did get the powers she did I was also right that Will did take Bass Reeves last name you were right yeah you totally called it and you were right about the egg I wasn't really buying it but you you were right props to you we don't get to see her with the powers which was kind of an exciting thing to end on like that kind of classic superhero kind of superhero movie cliffhanger like old 70s superhero 70s and 80s superhero movies would have that last scene where you're like is he gonna fly we don't know that was kind of what it was i saw that i mean Mm -hmm. i saw that coming so yeah and on that note let's talk about next season Mm -hmm. if there is one so there were rumors about this show having low viewership, but mm-hmm. apparently it averaged about 7 million people a show across the channels and streaming platforms. Mm-hmm. For context, Game of Thrones series finale took in 19 million, mm. but Watchmen was HBO's most popular new series of this year. Right, which makes sense. Mm-hmm. So I want to go to the creator, Damon Lindelof. Lindelof's words about whether he wants to do a sequel or not. Mm-hmm. And so he, this is from Variety. He said, I'm deeply, profoundly appreciative for how well received the season has been up until now. And I don't want to feel like I'm ungrateful, mm-hmm. but I still don't have any inclination whatsoever to continue the story. And that is largely and almost exclusively based on the fact that I don't have an idea. Mm-hmm. If I'm going to be involved in any more Watchmen, I should be able to answer those questions. Why? And why now? And the answers to all those questions shouldn't be, well, because that's what you do. Because the first one was good. 
hey, you know, props to him. I respect that he said that. That's yeah. that's art. Good. Good for him. It's funny because Regina King said a similar thing in her L.A. Times interview. Mm-hmm. She basically talked about the fact that, yeah, it'd be great to play this blue, black superhero woman who's basically the black lady Dr. Manhattan, Sister Manhattan. She said it'd be great to play that and to explore that idea, but she also really just loves storytelling, and because she loves storytelling, she's okay with letting the story be itself. So if there's a way to create more story that makes sense, then she'd be up for it, but she just thinks that this story was perfect the way it is, which, again, I really respect. I really hate these money-grab sequels where... You just make another story because you feel like you can, because people will pay to see it. <clears throat> Star Wars. But even so, uh, just I feel like as creators, there's such a tension between being creative and getting paid for being creative that mm. it's very easy to kind of sell out in that way where totally. you just continue telling a story with characters because you're getting money for it, because people will see it no matter what it is you say. Um, so I really respect that they're kind of... Um, respecting the story, respect letting the story be complete in and of itself. And if there is another complete story out there, then they'll tell it, but they don't have to. And I really like that because they did a really good job here and they needed to leave it that way, I think. I, I totally agree. Maybe Alan Moore will step away from his witch's cauldron now. Give us some sound bites. I think this pleases him. Well, now that, you know, labor lost, he may be even more bitter. This is true. This is true. He's probably adding I have nude as we speak. I don't know why I have this <laughs> mental image of Alan Moore as a witch, but I just do for some reason. I don't know why. He needs to be in the next uh, Harry Potter spinoff. I swear that dude movie. lives in a gingerbread house. Every time I see him, I don't know why. I just have this mental image of him being like that. Oh. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. I just want to do one more quote from Deadline, then we'll, we'll get to our, our thoughts here. Mm-hmm. So he said... After the finale aired, he said, I don't know. That's the answer, whether he wants to sequel or not. All I can say is I've consistently believed and I still believe that these nine episodes are a complete story with a beginning, middle, and end. I have to acknowledge that not everyone's going to see it that way, and I definitely don't dispute any opinion that's sort of like there should be more. I just don't feel compelled to continue the story without a reason to do so. The reason should be a creative reason, idea-driven, and I don't have any ideas for subsequent seasons of Watchmen currently. You know what? Here, here. I yeah. think that people like Margaret Atwood, for example, could totally take a page from his book. You know who Margaret Atwood is? Nope. Okay. Margaret At- wrote, Atwood wrote The Handmaid's Tale, which has been made into a very popular Hulu season. Mm-hmm. And the season, the TV show went past where the book naturally ends. And the book, the original book, The Handmaid's Tale, is definitely a classic uh, but it was released in the 80s, and our, it was a dystopia, one of the first modern dystopias, I think, modern dystopic novels released. It's about this very dark, uh, anti-feminist, religiously fundamentalist America. And the thing is, society marches on, time marches on, and so do our concepts of dystopia and our ideas, our understanding of the broader world and the people in them. But Margaret Atwood, for some reason, decided to write a sequel to The Handmaid's Tale 30 years later that kind of starts where the original book leaves off but tries to also be updated and it just doesn't go over well at all and I kind of wish that she'd done that too because the Hulu series was good for one season and now it's awful. Mm. I think. 
I might get lynched for that. I know there are loads of people who love it, but for me, it's honestly just American horror story, white feminism. So yeah, I'm not into it. I haven't seen a lot of black folks like cape for that show, so I don't think yeah. you'd be lynched by our. Well, audience. not by our audience. Well, I don't know. <laughs> it depends, but yeah, it depends. I mean. So I, I really, again, I really respect that. I think more storytellers, more creators need to do that. Let a story be a story. Tell the story. Speaking of story, look at Toy Story. I mean, mm-hmm. those guys didn't just have some, like, we're going to put out a movie every two years. They really took their time. And when they were inspired to do something, they really made magic every time. Exactly. That's how you tell more story. You tell it. And to be fair, even with Toy Story, they're not necessarily doing a new story every time. But there's just so much heart to it, and you can there's care and genuine creativity that goes into every and detail. Oh my gosh, just artisanship that goes into every installment. Mm. That it makes sense, but to just rush and make another season would be a bad idea. So I'm glad that they didn't. I'm glad he's. I'm glad that the actors and the showrunner are all very being very wise about this and being very authentic to the art of it. Because honestly, The Watchmen was art. We don't. Like I said, I was worried at the beginning of when we began to review this. I kind of thought the golden age of TV was coming to a close, but clearly not, because this is still very good. Very good. And on that note, oh, let's dear. talk about okay. what we would like to see if there was a season two. Mm-hmm. Do you want to go first, or you want me to shout some things off? Go for it. Okay. I want to talk about if there will be an overall enemy change. So in the Watchmen book, the enemy was nuclear annihilation. And this one... It was white supremacy. Mm-hmm. So what could it be for this new show? And so, of course, now that Angela is a black woman with God powers, I thought, Hotep's. Sir. <laughs> <laughs> you really had me going for a second. I was like, wow, where's he going? He's, he's thought this through. Hot, really? I have. Hold on. Let me. Let me. <laughs> you see... This black woman had to suck up to a white man to achieve greatness. I didn't take the white man's reparations money. I do everything by myself. Hotep Calvary. Angela, where are you? It's May 6, 2022. I'm being mansplained to about why Black Panther is a better superhero than me because he doesn't take from the white man. So what you're saying is Dr. Umar Johnson breaks Adrian Veidt out of jail in the first episode? Oh, wow. Wow. (laughs) Hey, you started this. They do a Dr. Umar Ozymandias clone hybrid. Oh, God. (laughs) He catches bullets, but nobody ever sees them. (laughs) Umandias. Wow. We, wow. This This is what you all... You all show up for it. I, is it? <laughs> oh, oh, my gosh. Okay. <coughs> Seriously, though. Okay. I mean, I was kind of serious there, but I, <laughs> I I wasn't. But let's... I want to see the positive and possible negative repercussions of reparations. Because mm. one, of my, one of my problems that I didn't realize until after the show ended was... What did reparations really root out in this universe? Like, I really wish they would have explored that. Like, what did black America truly look like? Because we only saw one family, and even that family was a little bit... Yeah, they weren't particularly black. <laughs> really, only one person in the family was actually black. Right. You, ha- you had a, a black guy or a blue guy in blackface, a white blue man in blackface, and yeah. a black woman. Raising was... Blanket John- Jackson. Yeah, and even 
she was kind of taken away from her yeah, blackness. Yeah, she wasn't immersed in black culture at surrounded all. Surrounded by mm-hmm. uh, Klan members. Yeah, so, wow. So what did the rest of... What did the rest of black America look like after mm. reparations? Because all we see was this museum, but nothing really that talked about anything. You know, yeah, that's a very good point. So I call this the blackest show of the year, but there are precious few black people in this very black show. I mean, there's a lot of callbacks to black culture, but it really is just the intense experiences of two black people. Grandfather yeah. and Angela, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And then overall, this world is actually pretty underpopulated. Like even downtown Tulsa, whenever we, we get to downtown mm-hmm. Tulsa... There's never any people there, not even people walking their dogs, taking a, a jog, anything. So Right. I think that's explainable by just the effects of the uh, the squid, the giant squid, and just the, the ripples that that, the ripple effect that had on the world population, I think. Maybe. Maybe. Mm-hmm. But the squids weren't frozen, so they didn't really hurt anybody. They no, just, no, no. Just... The original squid. The original oh. squid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like huge, a huge, like killing half the population of New York. And just the ripple effect that that has on just global population issues, just from the and then the psychic shock waves and all of that other stuff that happened with that. I mean, I don't maybe, know. maybe. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I would like if they do do a second sequel, mm-hmm. I'd like them to maybe just do a little world building on that level, yeah. but handle it with care, like you did with the first season. I mean, mm-hmm. it was masterfully. Everything was masterfully done in regards to black people and right. trauma, and I just like to see them on a positive level what can happen as I think you talked about it before of just a lot of writers these days don't have a lot of imagination for for yeah for the future for the future mm-hmm. and I we like don't to, really I, have yeah and mm-hmm. I would love to see someone illustrate that beautifully right yeah yeah okay well so I, I realize I just spent a whole lot of time talking about the fact that I think the story is complete the way it is and you don't need to continue it and I'm going to stand by that for the most part I will say this though I don't necessarily have any specific ideas of what Mm -hmm. they should do for another season if they have one. But if they do it, it needs to be another big idea. Mm -hmm. So going into the season, I had no idea that the overall villain, the overall problem was white supremacy. Mm -hmm. I think that if you're going to go into a future season, you've got to have an idea of that magnitude, which is why it might take a while, because white supremacy is very much the bugaboo in every American's closet right now. Um, well, maybe not every American, True. but many of us, right? Yeah. Um, I don't know what else is out there of that magnitude at this point. So it might be a while before there's another season, and it might be long enough that we would have to have a complete changeover of cast, which, I mean, who knows? The beauty of this is that it's kind of got that... Uh, it's very tapped into, I guess, the social zeitgeist, I suppose, kind of like where are all of our minds and hearts and what's in the collective consciousness right now. But I don't know what that would be. But I, So who knows what's coming next, really? It takes a smarter person and a better storyteller than me to know. Uh, but, yeah, it, that's all I'll say. I don't have any specific ideas, but it needs to be a, something of that size. It could maybe be something about, I don't know, globalization, about the changing uh, face of human migration, of, you know, refugee issues, although I don't know how you would do that exactly. But, you know, just these kinds of ideas, you know. I have another quote from Lindelof, and he says, I'll have a greater sense of perspective a couple of months from now, but I will say that we said from the jump that if the big bad of the season is white supremacy, we're not going to be defeating white supremacy in episode nine of Watchmen. That said... You interpret the ending of Watchmen the way that I think most people will interpret it 
is that white supremacy is in big trouble moving forward. And I'm not necessarily sure we need to dramatize what it looks like moving forward. But if indeed Angela Abar has got even a fraction of Dr. Manhattan's powers, given the journey that she went over the course of these nine episodes, I think she is primed and ready to do something more impactful than Dr. Manhattan ever did. And so I want to go there. I'll go back to your idea a little bit later, but Mm -hmm. I want to talk about Angela. How does Angela deal with her powers, Mm -hmm. given her upbringing? It's different Mm -hmm. from Dr. Manhattan, uh, John, Mm -hmm. who wasn't anything too special. He was just a scientist who got powers. Mm -hmm. But she was such a fighter in this show. Would she still be a slave to her own destiny like John was? Because we're only really interpreting John's powers through his own mind. But Mm -hmm. what if it's in the mind of someone else? Because even if Lady True was an egomaniac, would she over time or immediately just become so intelligent that she also becomes like... Would she also be very disassociated like yes. he was? Possibly. Although I think I think it's the grandfather who says that she's a absolute narcissist and that that kind of power just sort of intensifies over time, would, would intensify if she got godlike powers. Mm. At first she'd have great intentions and disassociation or not, she would eventually become the worst aspects of her personality, Mm. which is very much what happens with John. He was always a very disassociated person and becoming this godlike person just sort of intensified that. And I don't know if you know this, but I used to work in like spiritual work, like ministry. I worked for a church for many years. And one thing that I realized when I was doing that is that really religion in and of itself, religious devotion doesn't necessarily change a person the way that people believe it does. I think it just intensifies the strongest parts of your personality Hmm. in a lot of situations. If you are a hyper-conservative, fearful, suspicious person who's very much about mine, 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 get away from my bone, then you become a right-wing fundamentalist under the guise of religious devotion. And if you are not that, you become a different kind of person. I mean, it just... I think that really that so if religion is an intensifier, then mm-hmm. godlike powers also function that way is my point. Okay. I would think. So my question to you then would be So my question to you would be, what are the worst parts of Angela's personality and the best parts of her personality? What would be intensified through that? So for John, the worst part was dissociation and the best part was intelligence. All of that was inten- was intensified. For Angela, what would that be? I think she's definitely loyal mm-hmm. and a caregiver. Mm-hmm. I mean, she does seek a family and, I guess, community. Mm-hmm. So how? So you know, John was kind of a slave to the government for a time, and then he just left. Mm-hmm. But would Angela just be? She would be a lot different in that regard. Very much so. Not a slave, because obviously she's been disillusioned with authority at this point right. from her grandfather and her own experience. Right. So is she going to start just obliterating governments? Well, that's the thing, because she's got something that John never had, which is a temper. True. So he never really went off on anybody, and which just, was part and of just, what made him so horrifying. And hard trauma. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the thing, you know. We don't really have a lot of superheroes of color, and there were no people of color really involved in the original Watchmen. But we don't have that because we have sort of these stories of solo trauma. We have very few canon superheroes, really big canon superheroes who come from his from histories of generational trauma. Mm-hmm. Maybe Magneto. That's kind of it. Um, so 
No matter what they do, if they keep Angela, which they're going to have to in some aspect as a main character, if they continue the show, that's really a game changer. Yeah. Because I think it hits different if you're not Batman who maybe your parents died. It hits different if you're somebody who comes from a history of generational trauma and unjust torture and death and pain, you know? That's a whole different kind of legacy. If you imbue a superhero with that, that's a lot. And that's a very tricky line to, to, to tread, I think. Watch out, racist. Right. Um, so yeah. I want to get to my idea. Mm-hmm. And I think this could personally possibly fit in this universe. And that is the advent of greater technology. Because mm-hmm. we know that technology, there's some futuristic stuff that's in this universe, but some mm-hmm. that it's not. And even in Pedipedia, mm-hmm. they're starting to introduce computers and the email and mm-hmm. the internet is coming so could we do another time time jump mm-hmm. years into the, to the future where blanket who also eyed the superhero costume mm-hmm. could become a superhero himself mm-hmm. lady true's mother clone could become a villain herself there could be yeah. some some kind of like kill bill like rivalry like when you grow up come and come and see me sometime or mm. interesting okay so, there are a lot of things that i think could be played with totally. do i think they should be done Eh, I don't know about all yeah, that. But I think yeah. it'd be really cool to maybe start reading fan fiction that may come out of this okay. in the next couple of years. Because, you know, that happened with, like, various like Harry mm-hmm. Potter and things like that. I think it'd be really cool to, to right. kind of see what folks want to play with. Yeah, definitely. There. Yeah, that's a very good point. Um, yeah, that'd be interesting. Uh, also, the other thing that would change with Angela, with Dr. Manhattan's powers, is, again, he was a scientist. She's not. There would he Part of the reason that there's all of these unusual sort of technological advancements is because this is stuff that Dr. Manhattan came up with. But what happens if you put that kind of innovative power in the hands of somebody who's determined to change people's hearts and minds and the way society works, as opposed to building cool new toys and scientific advancements, you know? Actually, the more I talk about this, the more I think it could be cool. But again, I don't think we're necessarily, I don't think it has to be done now. Also, I think the most interesting is the quote from uh, the grandfather. You can't, you can't heal under a mask. Mm-hmm. So now that Angela really has nothing to fear mm-hmm. and, has to t- and can take her mask off mm-hmm. to get justice, how does that change her perspective? Like, is the anger gone now? Yeah, and does or that mean— Or is it intensified in some other way? Right, and does that mean enormous strides in, in humanity's healing rather than in humanity's technology? Mm. Does she become a tool for peace as opposed to a tool for war? Like I said, this whole making a black woman a superhero really makes the standard trope of trauma leads to revenge, leads to justice, really makes that hit different. Yeah. Hmm. I return to my thesis that this is the blackest show on television this year. <laughs> cool. Doesn't have a whole lot of black people. But yeah, this this definitely gets you thinking about us as a culture, doesn't it? Absolutely. Again, I would love to see anyone with fan fiction about Angela and just what that world would look like with her in it. Mm-hmm. I, I, maybe I may do some of that on the weekend or mm-hmm. on my, my vacation. Yo, is there a fan fiction section on Blurred.com? Not sure, but I'll talk to the guys about that. Yeah, because if there was, that'd be that. dope. Yeah. Like black fan fiction? Yo, yeah. Because you rarely find that. I remember looking for black fan fiction or fan fiction by black people, I suppose, back when the first of the new Star Trek movies came out. Mm -hmm. And I found all this weird stuff about Uhura and Spock and was totally turned off on fan fiction at that moment in time. And it's taken me years to get back into it. Like, I still am real gun shy. Like, 
with Lost. I'm just like, um, okay. don't know if I need that. So, yeah, anyway. Well, I don't want to run out too long. True. So I will talk to the Bird.com guys about that. And mm-hmm. I, want, I want to give it out to you guys. Like, what do you all think of Watchmen's series finale? What do you guys think of our analyses? Mm-hmm. Give us our pass on the back for guessing things. Yeah, actually, somebody did actually on the the page I saw. Yeah, that was uh, Javon. He's a uh, he's a uh, actually a member of but but like a, a founder. Oh, dope, cool, cool guy. <laughs> Before we head out, I do want to talk really quick about our our, uh, our favorite blurdy Christmas moments. Yes, I literally realized yesterday that Christmas is next week. Yeah, I'm not ready. I'm not doing anything. I total. I'm doing something, but I I'm not prepared at all for it. I put up my Christmas tree like. The day after Thanksgiving. Like in your own apartment? In my apartment. Yeah, in my wow. apartment. I put up my Christmas tree, but i that's the only... D- I have... Look, I like Christmas. Okay. I have loads of decorations, and I've put up a tree, and that's it. Like, mm-hmm. I just have... I don't even know where my other decorations are. I should put them all up. Yeah. I've been playing Christmas music, but not as intensely as usual. I'm just... It's been an interesting year, an interesting semester, so I have not been on my Christmas grind the way I usually mm-hmm. am. So I'm not ready. I've got to, like, do all of the things in four days. I have homies here that are from outside of the country who are just lonely. So mm-hmm. I'm just going to hang out and just kind of, I think that it would mean more for them. For those who don't know, Christmas is more of a couple holiday here as opposed mm-hmm. to a family one. And if you don't have family in the country, that sucks. And yeah. if you're single and you're seeing all these couples walking around, that Doing sucks. Doing things, yeah. And if you're me, well, I won't go there. <laughs> <laughs> um, I... I I see in my future. I'm having a Dr. Manhattan moment. It's December 25th, 2020, and I go to Brendan's house and drag him outside to not be a miserable git for the day. <laughs> anyway. Okay, let's go to our uh, our favorite Christmas moments. And do you want to start off or do you want me, to, want me to go? You start since, I mean, I'm sure yours is going to be shorter than mine, given what we just talked about. No. <laughs> okay, okay. Mine, mine comes from just being a kid. Oh, okay. Um, this is, I got three consoles when I was growing up, and it was the Genesis, the PlayStation, the Dreamcast. And although the Dreamcast is my favorite system of all time, the PlayStation Story is my favorite because I there was just a bag, like a, like a carry case, under my tree. Mm-hmm. And I opened up, I think, the the small pouch, and I was like, oh, what? I have these two games. Wow. And it was, it was Ridge Racer and Tekken 2. And I'm like, wow, I have these games, but I don't have a – there's no system for – what? <laughs> And I felt so kind of just, I was so happy at first, and I just kind of got let down. And then my mom literally just pointed a few degrees to the right, and there it was. Ooh. And I was like, oh, my God. Ooh. And I played the hell out of those games. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, and, of course, me buying Metal Gear Solid, uh, that just catapulted my my love for games after that. Like I was buying magazines and looking scouring the net for everything after that. So mm-hmm. the PlayStation was kind of my jump point to Aww. really being into games the way I am now. Oh, that's really nice, actually. Yeah. How about you? Hmm. Okay, so my family does Christmas big. Like okay. Big, big, big. Okay. But as far as a blurdy memory, okay, y'all know I'm a reading nerd. I read all the time. I actually finished my Goodreads challenge today. 100 books this year. Ooh, wow. Yeah, I read a lot. Right. Part of it is because I don't drive, so I'm always on public transportation, mm-hmm. and I crack open a book and read. Smart. And most of the time when people are like, you know, if you open up your phone and are like on social media or something, I'm usually reading something because the Kindle has an app. So um, that's part of it. But the other part is I just really love reading. Mm. And I remember vividly. So I, I also learned to read at a really young age because, yo, blurred here. Um 
And my father is an avid, avid reader. So mm-hmm. I have two blurred parents. Mm-hmm. My father is my book parent and my mother is my movie parent. Mm, so my cool. father is the parent who like sat me down and got me into like fantasy and sci-fi and all of that. My mother is the person who showed me Star Wars for the first time, had me watching like old Flash Gordon, like all the all the blurred movies. Mm-hmm. I learned Conan, Highlander, all of that from my mom. That's dope. Anyway. That's my that's my dad. Wow. That's really? <laughs> cool. Go on. Um, so when I was seven years old, I got my first full set of fantasy chapter books under the Christmas tree. Mm. It was the Chronicles of Narnia. Oh, okay. So that was my first real, like, kind of almost sort of grown-up fantasy weeks. It was like a whole series of chapter books. Mm-hmm. And I just remember sitting under the Christmas tree and reading and just, like, being in a completely different world, just in that really magically Christmas atmosphere with, like, snow and a tree and warm blankets and hot cocoa and cookies and good food smells coming from the kitchen and... You know, nobody's family is perfect, but that was definitely a perfect family moment. And I just remember the look on my dad's face when he was like, I got you some books. Because even then, like, that was the way to my heart. <laughs> I got you some books. And it was just really cool. That's yeah. beautiful. So, yeah. So, yeah. So that's how I got started, I think, on this, like, devouring books thing. That's beautiful. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So Narnia will always have a special place in my heart. Yeah. That's pretty dope. Yeah. Now I'm a homesick friend. Why'd you make me talk about this? I'm like, I'm oh, sorry. I miss my family at Christmas. We ain't perfect, but they family. <laughs> All right. Oh, blurred down, man. Guys, <laughs> this is this is really cool. It's about mm-hmm. time for us to wrap up. It is, yeah. Um, I want to end the show on something that actually Marquita shared. Mm. And it's a really, uh, I think, important quote to end the year on. Mm-hmm. And a way to look forward to the next year. Mm-hmm. Um, this is kind of actually one of the hardest years of my life, if not the hardest year of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, I started a master's this year along with the podcast and full-time job and uh, relationship, and some of those didn't work out so well. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I took that pretty hard. Um, but I'm really looking forward to next year, and Marquita's quote really kind of got me in higher spirits, and so I want to read yeah. it to you guys. So hopefully it will resonate with you all. I know we are in the yearly recap phase on social media and everyone is announcing their biggest wins, but please don't compare yourself and your progress to others. If your biggest achievement was just staying alive, then that's a win too. Aww. So shout out to Marquita for that. Yeah. Gosh. Come back to us soon. Yeah. No, yeah. Where are you, girl? Anyway. Mm-hmm. She's, uh, you know, she's busy. I know she's grinding, but yeah. we miss you. Yeah. Come talk about games. Yeah, I can't please. talk about games. So please, come talk about games. Yeah. Anyway. So <sighs> Yeah, please yeah. share share your favorite Christmas blurdy moments with yeah. us in the comments. Again, please find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Subscribe. Give us a review. It would really help us out. Um, if you have any fan questions going into next year, email us at bu at blurred.com mm-hmm. or tweet us at B-L-E-R-D-U. We're also on Instagram at B-L-E-R-D period U-P. And, of course, Facebook at B-L-E-R-D U-P. We're also on Blurred.com. Great place for nerdy content from Black Cultural Lens. We'll get at them about that fan fiction. Yeah. Really, really cool. Mm -hmm. Um, Next year, for January, we're looking at possibly doing a show about our favorite albums, 
of the decade. Okay. I also want to do, if I can, as, as a possible collaboration with another podcast, um, our favorite rap albums of 2019. Okay. And we'll see what else we got going on. Dope. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year, guys. Thanks for listening to us all this year. We've appreciated you. Yeah, for real. It's been a year and a half now doing this. Can you believe it? Has it it been? Gosh. Just about. It was just yesterday I was like running up on you in a random restaurant like, you have a blurred podcast? Let me on, B. Yeah. Anyway. (laughs) Happy New Year. Merry Christmas. And we'll see you guys in the new decade. Happy holidays. Free you, Amandius. We was kings. (laughs) 